self-care continues. Welcome, friends, in the room. And yes, happy Valentine's Day week. Singles Awareness Day is coming up. And uh, we are continuing this series, self-care. Anyone been to uh, New York City recently? Man, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. New York during the winter is like one of the best times to go to that city. And it's such a fun city. We went not long ago, my wife and I, and, um, and we did, of course, what you do when you go to New York and you're doing all the touristy things. And so we stayed in the Lower East Side. We went and saw a show, we went to Times Square. We went and saw the Christmas tree and um, just had a blast going around getting to experience all that was New York. But one of the, my favorite parts of uh, our trip, I didn't expect to be one of my favorite parts, and that was the subway station. Any, any subway travelers? Like, dude, here's, here's a couple things. Yeah, thank you, good. You're in Dallas. Here's what I love about the subway station experience is, um, one, it's like unbelievably cheap. It's like for a nickel, you can go all around the city as many times as you want. And it's like $2.20 compared to an Uber. It's unbelievable. And, uh, and there's something just that feels like, hey, I'm a, I'm a real New Yorker. I'm like kind of in this little box right now with everyone that is like, it's essentially who I see at the DMV all in one. We're getting a reunion together. We're hanging out in there and here we are. We're riding around holding on to the thing. And and uh, just had like a blast because uh, it almost feels like you're, you're um, going on the scavenger hunt every time of like, hey, where do we go now? Do we take the F train, take the A train? What do we do? And throughout that experience, there were different times where because I wasn't that familiar with the train and I would uh, think I'm getting onto one train and I would make the mistake and I thought we were going to Soho or we're going to Chelsea or we're going to Brooklyn and we ended up heading toward Queens and you don't realize it until you get close and you're like, I don't think this is where we're supposed to be right now. And what do you do in that situation? You're like, well, I got to get off. I got to figure out which train I need to be on and make sure that I get on the right train. Now, what does that have to do with self-care? Well, in a very similar way is uh, the idea of, hey, if you get on the wrong train, it's going to take you to the wrong destination. So it is with our thoughts. Like the thoughts that you have are not just, hey, one and done, I had this thought and then it's done. If you allow that thought to stay in your mind and you continue, it will invite other thoughts like it and it will lead you towards a destination. We even have a term for this. What's it called? Train of thought. They're like, hey, our thoughts are not just an individual one-off. They're a train of thoughts that can be a part of them. And unlike anything else in your life, what you think about and your mind is gonna impact the person that you become. And so if you don't have the ability to really uh, control the trains of thoughts that are trying to get you and the ability to, hey, I need to get off this train of thought right now because it's making me freak out and I need to get on that train over there, you will live a life that you're no longer in control. And so we're going to talk about tonight what it looks like to control the mind. But before I do, I mean, you know what I mean by like, uh, the mind can be so powerful and it can just lead you and all of a sudden one thought leads to another that leads to another and you've jumped on this train and it is heading towards the destination that you don't want to be at. What do I mean by that? Like here's some examples that I wrote out. I called this the step on the WebMD train where all of a sudden you have like a, a, you know, a sore back and you're like, what, oh, man, what could this be? And I go into WebMD, I pull up the app, I like put in the symptoms and everything that comes up is like, it could be an appendicitis rupture, kidney failure, or cancer is in all of them. And you're like, oh man, that is not good. And all of a sudden you're like scheduling doctor's appointments to go see, uh, because hey, I need to go see a doctor because oh, I think my kidneys are failing right now. I have cancer, back cancer. I didn't even know that happened, but that's what I have. Or here's another train, the reading into things in a dating relationship train where you're dating someone and you know, you're having gone on a few dates, things are going good. Maybe you're the girl there, he's dropping you off. 
and you're a few dates in, and he drops you off, and he's like, hey, I had a nice time. And then he gives you a side hug, and you're like, what, what does nice time mean? And side hug, really? You give me a side hug? And so you begin to play the train. You're sitting there you're like, I don't even know if this guy likes me. He doesn't think I'm attractive. I bet he likes Sarah is what's going on. He's probably going to break this off. You know what? I'm going to break it off with him before he breaks it off with me, because that's what I'm going to do. And you just go crazy, because you follow the train of thought. Or... Oh, man, it's so true. It all be a little crazy. Or maybe it's like with your boss. I don't know if you've been here, but you send an email to your boss and you don't get a response. And you're like, huh, no response. I wonder if he got the email. Of course he got the email. You can not get the email. We work at the same company. It's not like it went to spam. He must have not liked my idea. I bet he, he probably doesn't like me. I bet I'm next on the chopping block for a job. I need to update my LinkedIn profile. I don't even know my LinkedIn password. Man, I got to find a new career. And all of a sudden, just from one thought, and it's probably irrational. Usually it's irrational, and it has nothing to do, and the boss was like, oh, I was off yesterday. And you just lose your mind because you follow the train of thought. And that can happen in little ways, and it can happen in big ways. But regardless, if you and I cannot learn the ability to get off of that thought train, then you and I are going to not only not have control of our thoughts, you won't have control over the life that you're going to live because nothing within your control and your thoughts are in your control. And we're going to talk about for the next really 30 minutes about how you can step off of that thought train, but nothing that is in your control, like your thoughts will impact your life or your thoughts more than anything else that is within your control. You can't control all the circumstances you face, everything that you're going to face in life, but you can control your thoughts and how you react to them. And here is why this is so important, because it's pretty easy whenever you're on the A train in Brooklyn and you need to get off and get on the other train, I know how to do it. I just wait until the doors open, I step off, I look at the chart, and I'm like, all right, I need to go here. It's not as easy or intuitive to get off some of the thought trains that we can get on. So tonight, as we continue self-care, we are going to talk about uh, winning the battle of the mind. This series has been a look at what does it look like to care for yourself biblically in terms of mind, body, spirit. And so we're going to cover body in a couple of weeks. We're covering all these different issues about what does it look like to care for yourself. And tonight we're going to talk about what it looks like in regards to the mind, specifically how you can win the battle of the mind. So we're going to look at three principles. If you take notes, we're looking at three things that if you want to win the battle for your mind, have got to be a part of the way that you think. So three truths about filling your mind with the right things are really just winning the battle of your mind. The first truth comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're in it, uh, Corinthians. Uh, if you have your Bible, you flip open, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians. If not, it'll be on the screen. Corinthians was written by the apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul. And he wrote this book to the Corinthian church. And in it, he lays out, as it relates to thinking, some of the things that they're to do. Here's what he says. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That same word strongholds is translated prisons. That the things that we fight with, and he's gonna uh, allude, he's really talking about truth, have the power to unlock people from prison. From the prisons that their decisions have made, the prisons that they can find themselves in their own minds creating, that's the power that we have in Christ through truth. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive or we capture and arrest. It's the same word in Greek translated. 
every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. So Paul says that as followers of Jesus, as it relates to the thoughts that we have, you are to take every thought captive, and you are to arrest it and make sure that it is in line with what God says, with what is true, and you use the truth to combat the lies the enemy feeds you, and the way that you fight the battle of the mind involves taking captive the thoughts that you have and aligning them with truth and getting rid of any of the toxic thoughts that you have. The first idea I wanna talk about from this text and really the Bible in general is that if you wanna experience uh, freedom and really win the battle of your mind, you have got to remove toxic thinking. Remove toxic thinking. All of us came into the room tonight, all of us have had thoughts fill our minds that are toxic. They are um, not in line with God's word and you have to capture or arrest those thoughts. And thoughts like that are gonna pop up they're negative thoughts, they're anxious thoughts, they're lustful thoughts, all kinds of different thoughts. And they're thoughts that God would say, hey, uh, those things are gonna pop in your head, but it is your choice over whether you will dwell on them. And as a believer in Christ, you grab those thoughts, you say, I'm, not gonna ch- I'm choosing not to dwell on you. I'm choosing not to dwell on you. That we remove toxic thoughts. Basically, we audit our mind and evaluate as we think about what we're thinking about. Hey, what is this thought? Is this from God? Is this what he would want me to be thinking right now? And anything that's not, I'm gonna remove that from my mind. I'm gonna talk about what some of those things are. But it's not dissimilar to, um, to this. Whenever you go to the airport a few weeks ago, uh, you have to go through what? Security. You gotta go through TSA. You gotta go, you gotta take off all your shoes and uh, you know, go through and make sure you don't have a belt on and make sure there's nothing hazardous or dangerous or sharp or explosive inside of the bags that you have. I was with a friend, he was coming with me for a speaking opportunity in Missouri and he just kind of tagged along and his bag got flagged and they pulled his bag aside. And and usually you're thinking like, man, did I like bring a shampoo bottle that's too big? Like, come on guys, this is taking too long. Can we just get out of here? And the guy pulls him aside, he says, hey, there's a knife in your bag. And he's like, a knife? I don't even know what you're talking about. And he says, well, um, do you know if it's a double-edged knife? or a two-sided knife. And he's like, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure. And he said, well, if it is, there's a significant fine and you will not be able to go forward. And I'm like, dude, let's hope that it is. Good luck, buddy, because every man for himself after this. And, uh, <laughs> and the guy pulls it out and he begins to look at it and thank goodness it was just a pocket knife. But it was one of those things where TSA, security in general, says, hey, there are certain items that we are not allowing to come in here whether they're hazardous, toxic, or dangerous, like knives or guns and things like that. The Apostle Paul says, when it comes to your mind, you have got to be the security checkpoint. You will not allow knives or negative thoughts or things that are not from God, things that are not biblical, things that are not true to come into your mind. As soon as you identify those things, you're saying, I'm not going to dwell on this thing. And here's why this matters for you. Because so many of the knives that you allow and I allow into our minds, they're, they're, uh, they're a little bit like those hidden pocket knives you didn't even realize were there. In other words, just like when you go through security, rarely is someone caught and like, oh man, I didn't even realize I brought a bomb, who knew? (laughs) Generally, they're like, oh man, I forgot about the pocket knife, yeah, you can keep it. In the same way, there are toxic thoughts that you think every day, they seem harmless. You may not even realize you're doing it because it's just so natural. And they are things that Paul would say, that's a knife. You need to confiscate it and remove it from your thinking. You cannot choose all the different thoughts that are gonna pop up from time to time, but you can choose what you are going to dwell on. So let me give you some of the toxic ones that I think uh, I've experienced, a really common experience for all of us. Anyone ever found themselves like not believing the best about someone? Toxic thought. When I'm going, oh my gosh, yeah, I can't believe that they did that. They always do that. That's just, they're a bad apple. That's the type of person they are. Toxic thought, Paul would say, that's a knife. You've got to remove that from your thinking. 
You've got to choose to believe the best. When you can't, you expose it and say, I can't believe the best right now. Toxic thought. Here's another one. If you found yourself obsessing over why you didn't get invited on that trip, obsessing over why you weren't invited to that dinner, toxic thought. You'd say, remove it. Another one that can be common is just, if you've ever found yourself living in what I would say is kind of the what if mentality, which is just fear, which is like, oh my goodness, what if I never get married? What if um, my mom doesn't recover? What if I lose my job? Toxic thought. You've got to identify it, remove it, say I'm not going to dwell on that. This will not control me. I am taking back control over the thoughts that I have. Another one, dwelling on your appearance or really wishing that you looked like someone else. And we look in the mirror and it's never that blatant, like, oh my gosh, it's you. It's never popping up on your shoulder talking to you. It's just this looming thought of, man, I don't like who I am. Knife, toxic thought. You've got to remove it. You've got to remove it. And we're going to talk a little bit about how and what that exactly looks like. But you are either going to take your thoughts captive, like he says here, or your thoughts are going to take you captive. And here's the thing that I don't know, no matter how hard I try to convince you, many of you will not believe me. You can control the thoughts that you think, the thoughts that you dwell on. Our world around us says, hey, you can't control that, and uh, you're not in the driver's seat. It relates to what you think about. You can control what you think about. Paul just said, we take every thought captive. Our thoughts don't take us captive. I am choosing. I will not be owned by this. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what those things and how we can experience taking control back from our thoughts. But let me just do this before we move on. Let's just audit a little bit some of the thoughts that we have. Because if you're inside of the room, the thoughts that you have every single day are shaping the person that you are becoming. They are taking you to a destination. You're getting on a train. So let's think in the last 24 hours, I wrote out three categories or scenarios. As it relates to the thought that you have, the thoughts that you've had in the last 24 hours, here's a question for you. Were the thoughts you had over the past 24 hours, were they more worried thoughts or peaceful thoughts? The last 24 hours, were they more worried or peaceful? The thoughts over the last 24 hours, were they more negative or positive? Was I more prone to negatively interpret, to step on that negative train? And when you step on that train, it just goes further and further, further down the negative road. Everything else, it gets worse and worse and worse. Were the thoughts over the last 24 hours, were they more worldly or eternal? It is impossible to live a positive life with negative thinking. Is it impossible? It is impossible to live an eternal, an eternal mindset life with worldly thinking. And it is impossible to live a life filled with peace, with anxious thoughts and anxious thinking. And the Apostle Paul says, you've got to take those things captive. You remove every single toxic thought. Some of you, this means you've got to remove some of the things in your life that are fueling the toxic thoughts. Like here's a true story. There are friends that you have, let's say you struggle with anxiety. Let's say you struggle with lust. Let's say you struggle with whatever it is. There are friends inside of the room, friends in your life. Maybe they're not here tonight. Maybe they're just in your life in general. And and they're not helping you get off the wrong train and get on the right one. They're helping you stay on the right train. They're like, dude, we're on the train to anxiety and let's just feed off of one another and I can't believe it or the train of jealousy and let's just feed off of one another, the train of gossip. Let's just feed off of one another and you gotta make sure you don't have people around you that are pulling you on that train. 
The other thing is just the things that you're consuming. The things that you're consuming are filling your mind with those thoughts, and those thoughts are a train that lead to a destination. What are some examples of that? Pornography, we talk about all the time, that if you fill your mind with lustful thoughts, it's going to take you in the direction of a destination of lust-filled desires and acting out on those things, of being unable to be uh, experienced what God's desire and plan for sexuality really is. If you fill your mind with, um, there's so many different things, and some of them are not even that blatant. Some of you need to get off social media. Because every time you get on there, you're filled with thoughts about how much you don't have and how much you don't have. And I can't believe that she, and you're insecure about what you look like because she always posts these pictures and these shirt, short skirts, dresses, whatever girls wear, okay? (laughs) Some of you need to get off dating apps, like for real. Like you're on dating apps and you're a different person. You're checking it every three seconds. You're like, oh my gosh, did he like me again? And I can't believe that he didn't like me. I've liked him five times. And you need to get off of it because it is changing you. And you are filling your mind with things that are distracting you. And you need to take those thoughts captive. And one of the ways you take them captive is by saying, hey, I'm not gonna consume that stuff. Some of it's like neutral, like Narcos or just shows on Netflix where you're like, hey, it's just filling my mind with bad things. I'm more anxious because of the things that I'm consuming. So Paul says, in order to experience and win the battle in your mind, it's got to include removing toxic thoughts from your life. The second step he lays out in Philippians chapter four, book of Philippians, Paul writes from a uh, jail cell. And so he writes out these words and he's arrested for his faith and he's thrown in a jail cell. He's chained to a Roman prisoner, I'm sorry, a Roman guard. And he writes out these different words to the Philippian church. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul says, fix your attention on these things. That there's not only stuff that we need to get rid of in our life and we're gonna arrest that and that's not coming in. There's also things that we need to fill and dwell on over and over and over again, rehearse and replay in our mind. And he says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, which is just like uh, full of worship or worthy of worship. You could say heavenly. It says, begin to think about these things. Think about what is true. Think about who God is. Think about the truths that are contained in God's word. Those are the things to dwell on and not fill your mind with toxic thoughts. The second idea is to replace the lies with the truth. If you wanna win the battle of the mind, it involves replacing the lies with the truth. I need to identify when I am uh, beginning to believe a lie. I am wanting to get on this train and I need to have others around me and really take the steps to replace the lie with the truth. Imagine what your life would look like if you really applied these verses. Like imagine what today would look like if if everywhere that you went, every thought that you had at work, you're sitting there, you're doing your, you know, making widgets or whatever you do for a job and you're doing Excel spreadsheets and, and you're just sitting there and the only things that filled your mind were like, man, God is so good. I'm so thankful. It's another day. I'm alive. God is for me. He put me here on purpose. He is you know, at work in my life. He's going to complete the good works that he started inside of me. He's never going to leave me, forsake me. Like all these things. These are what flooded your mind. How filled with peace would you be? How um, unfrustrated would you be when a coworker interrupts you or annoys you or does that thing that typically annoys you? How much of your life would change? How much of your self-talk, the things that you say to yourself would change? If you really filled your mind with these things, like those are the things I'm gonna dwell on. If it's not that, nope. Thank you, next. We are moving on. (laughs) 
I mean, think about it. And the Apostle Paul says, man, think and dwell on these things. There should be nothing in your life that you dwell on. It may pop in, you may think on it. Nothing you dwell on that is not here, that is not found in God's word, that's not from the truth that we see in God's word. I don't know what lies you're tempted to believe that you need to replace with truth. I can tell you one of the biggest ones for me is, uh, is the lie that, man, David, you are never gonna be good enough. No matter how hard you try, you are gonna fail. And you are a failure, you'll always be a failure, and you'll never be good enough. And you know what, you can work really hard at work and you're gonna fail your family. Or you could be you know, amazing with your family and you're gonna fail at work. You're never gonna be good enough. Here's why that lie is so powerful for me. Because there's truth in it. I'm never gonna be good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough on my own. And there's a small bit of truth, but it's only half the truth. Because the Bible says that through Christ, I am more than enough. Through Christ, I have everything that I need. Through Christ, when I am weak, if I am not enough, he is made strong, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. That his power is made perfect in not enough people like me. And so if that's where I am, a fuller expression of the truth is what I need in that midst of the lie. Here's what I know about you. The lies that you're tempted to believe, the reason they have power or they grab at your heart is there's some truth in them. And what you need to do is not um, give some sort of positive, like, you know what, you, uh, like here, I wrote out some of them. Like maybe the lie that you believe is, hey, I'll always be single and alone on Valentine's Day. Maybe that's the lie you believe. And the reason it's powerful is because there's some truth. You may always be single and not in a relationship on Valentine's Day. That's the truth. But it's not all the truth. The further truth is that God says, through Christ, you have everything that you need. He will supply all of your needs. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you have Jesus, you have never been alone and you never will be alone. And you have the thing that will satisfy you like no man ever will or no woman ever will. And so it's not just what I'm saying is when it comes to like, hey, I need to combat the lies that I believe with the truth. I'm not just saying, hey, you need to just pick a Bible verse and then hold on to that in those times of trouble. You need to tell yourself the truth. I may have cancer. I may. But God has promised that he is in control. He's working for my good. He loves me. He has plans to prosper me, not to harm me. Anything that he allows to come through his hands are for my good and for his purposes. And I can trust him. Or I can just worry about it and be anxious and fill my mind with toxic thoughts. And you need to tell yourself the truth. What are some other ones? I can't change. You can't change. That's true. But over and over, the Bible teaches that Christ can change you. And he will if you surrender and walk with him. Another truth. Man, what if my boyfriend cheats on me? I could come up here and I could just say, I would be awesome to be a pastor and be like, dude, here's the promise of God. He'll never cheat on you. He'll never abandon you. It'll be enough every time. That's not true. (laughs) He may cheat on you. First, you shouldn't date guys who may cheat on you. And the second is, man, don't ever put your hope in a man or in a woman other than Christ. And so you've got to embrace whatever. I don't know what the lies that you're tempted to believe. I don't know what the strongholds that you've got to have truth in order to demolish them are. But you need to know the truth. And it is in confronting those things you'll experience a freedom. Maybe the lie is, hey, my friends don't care about me. And again, I could stand up here and be like, of course they care about you. Every person with the spirit of God cares about you. They may not care about you. 
But you can either say, man, they may not. But you know what? I'm here to serve, not to be served, and I'm gonna care about them. That's what I'm on this planet to do, care for people. And so the choice is yours, and you gotta confront it with the truth from God's word and align that with just reality around us. Finally, my value is in how I look, where I work, and what I earn. A lot of us can struggle with that. I know I can. And here's the truth. Your value is in where you work, how much you earn, and how you look to the world. Let me say it another way. To people whose opinions don't matter. To people whose opinions won't last. But your worth, in the truest sense, has already been defined by God of the universe saying, I find you so valuable, I will give my own life for you. That's how much you are worth. And it has nothing to do with how you look, how much you earn, and where you work. But the truth is not to say like, no, that stuff doesn't matter. It matters a lot to worldly people who don't know Jesus. And every day you're gonna be bombarded with people who are like, this is what matters in life, and you've got to hold on to the truth. It matters to them. Am I gonna let it matter to me? Am I gonna let it define who I am? Or am I going to let Jesus and what he did on the cross define who I am? And that's a choice you have to make. But all of us can experience winning the battle of the mind if you remove toxic thoughts and if you replace the lies with the truth. When I was on the subway, here's what like, is encouraging to me, is the more that you embrace God's truth in the midst of the lie, the easier it becomes for your mind to run to the truth in those moments where I'm tempted to get on the train of anxiety, it becomes easier to, God is with me, he's for me, I can trust him, he's in control, I've never had control, that's an illusion and a myth, God loves me, I can have peace because everything is sifting through his hands and he is for me. The more that I rehearse and ingrain that in my mind and believe that, the easier it becomes when I'm tempted in order to get on that anxiety train to run to the train of truth. And the more that you continue to renew your mind, combat the lies with the truth, the easier it becomes. Uh, it's, it's not similar to this. When I was running around on the subway or when I was riding around on the subway, there are times where I was like, oh no, I'm on the wrong train here. You know what didn't happen a lot? I was with a friend who lives up in that city. He never got on the wrong train. He lives there every single day. If he got on it, he knew immediately, oh man, I'm on the wrong train. I gotta get back on the A train. And he would quickly get off because he had familiarized himself with it. This is how science Neuroscience, which is the study of the brain, says your brain actually works. It's just aligning with God's word. In Romans chapter 12, it said, when you renew your mind, it changes the way that you think. You create neural pathways, if you will, that make it easier to run to that truth every single time, the more that you do it. And it weakens the power of the lie, makes it less likely to run to that. Science is saying, this is how your mind works. And the more that you renew your mind around the truth from God's word and reject the lie, you will... it gets only easier and easier. And the same one is also true that there are gonna be times where because uh, either you don't know God's word enough, which also you need to read God's word if you're gonna combat the truth or combat the lie with the truth. There's gonna be other times where you're just at a place where you're like, man, I'm stuck. I don't know how to get off this train. I don't wanna be on this train. It's a depression train and I don't know how to get off of here. And so I don't know what else to do. And what do you do? Very similar to in that situation. In New York, my wife and I headed to the Christmas tree lighting. Um, Here's what's true about subways. This is like a subway message, train message. Um, They're never like perfect. There's always construction going on on, you know, the green line one, and there's always just something off. And then they operate between the hours of like 
you know, uh, between 1 p.m. and 2 a.m., no train going here. So there's just times you're like, I don't, I literally don't know what to do. I'm looking at it, and the option that we had is, is not working now, so what do we do? What did I do? I asked those around me. I brought others in, said, I don't know, I'm stuck. I don't wanna be on this train. I don't wanna go to this destination. I wanna go to that destination. Will you help me? This is what you have got to do if you're gonna win the battle of your mind because you will not always be able to know, hey, I, I can't get on the right train. I'm try- I want to fight this lie, just don't know how to right now. And you gotta bring others in along the journey to, as we help one another. That's how God created and wired us to work. Finally, the third idea as it relates to winning the battle in your mind, it comes from the same chapter of Philippians where he says this, rejoice or have joy Be joyful in the Lord always. I will say it again, be joyful or rejoice. I read this and I'm like, are you saying that joy is a choice, Paul? Like I can just choose to be joy? Are you writing this from Cancun or something with a Mai Tai in your hand? No, he's writing it with a armed man chained to him from a prison cell. How can you write that, Paul? Because he doesn't say, hey, Rejoice in all, or in the circumstances. It says, in the Lord, in every circumstance. But the Apostle Paul would say, hey, you have to choose joy. The third thing, if you want to win the battle in your mind, is you have to reframe with the right perspective. What do I mean by that? I mean with an eternal perspective. You can either choose to see the lens and kind of the world around you with an earthly perspective and with today, and this is always how it's gonna be, or with an eternal perspective. The Apostle Paul was able to choose joy because he maintained an eternal perspective. He said, look, no matter what the situation is, because of the truths that I know, because of the fact that I'm gonna spend forever and ever and ever with God, that there's gonna come a day five billion years from now, I look back and the fact that I was chained to this that Rocky over here was not that big of a deal. I can always choose joy no matter what because I know where my hope is. And he would say, so can you. Whatever situation you're in, you have an opportunity to reframe it with the right perspective around you. Let me further illustrate what I mean by that. To choose to see the goodness of God and the best in the scenario around you. And before you run off, let me explain a little bit more what I mean. The Apostle Paul, three chapters earlier, explains exactly what this looks like. Where in the very first chapter of the book, he says this. Now, I want you to know, brothers, this is Philippians 1, verse 12 and 13, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the entire palace guard and to everyone that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul says, hey, most people, I'm sitting here, I'm locked up next to Rocky and I'm sitting here, I'm in chains, I'm I'm thrown away. And most people be like, hey, where's God now? What are you doing? I'm so angry. This is terrible. I'm just upset. And he says, this is amazing. I have a chance where every eight hours I get a new guy. They would change up the guard every eight hours and they come in and I have a captive audience, literally, and I tell them about Jesus. And now the entire imperial guard knows about Jesus. What he just said. That even in the midst of a circumstance, everyone would be like, dude, that is bad. We need to pray for him. He's like, this is great. I get one guy for the next, I have the next. And they're all coming to know at least the Jesus that I talk about. He was able to see and reframe it with the right perspective. That even some of the Worst moments or most mundane, trivial moments, frustrating moments, 
that I can choose and I must choose to look for the goodness of God around me. It's not dissimilar to, um, to this, in case you're not following me. It's like, a, it's a little bit of what we do when we choose the right filter on Instagram. You guys know what I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Is uh, whenever I take a picture, you guys know what the most popular filter is on Instagram? Anyone know? Claridon, whatever that is. Claridon is the most popular. And, and here's really, uh, I think, what the, the filter that you choose in the room, let's be honest. How do you choose a filter that you use? Whichever one you look best in. That's what you're like, nah, not as good. I'm like, I haven't seen the sun in a year in that one. Okay, move to that one, that one, that one. And you choose a filter based on whichever one makes it look the best, right? Like, here we go. We'll just uh, look, look good. Here we go. And there you are. Then I would go and I'm going to take this and I'm going to be like, man, not, not that one. Not that one. Oh, oh, that's not good. And I would choose the right filter based on whichever one looks best or is the best looking. In the same way, the Apostle Paul would say, hey, you do not have a choice over everything that you're gonna face in life, but you have a choice over the filter that you're gonna place on it. And you can choose the best looking one and seek to see the goodness of God no matter what's going on around you. Or you can choose to see the filter just like the world sees, but you can choose joy. What does this look like? I gave some practical, let me give you some practical examples of what I mean by that. Maybe you found like, hey, my car is in the shop. That's a down, uh, that's a bummer of a day. My car, it may be totaled, I don't know what's going on. My engine's having trouble. I can choose to be angry or I can choose to say, man, God, thank you that I even have a car. Like 2% of the world has a car. Thank you that I have a car that can even go to the shop. Maybe your dishwasher, you came home tonight, your dishwasher's broke. You can either choose to be like, man, what in the world, God? I thought I was following you. Was at the porch tonight? Or you can choose to say, all right, God, my dishwasher's broken. I guess I'll have more time to listen to a porch sermon as I wash these dishes by hands. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Maybe you're sick. And my knee-jerk response is like, oh man, I can't believe I'm sick, I'm so far. Or I could say, I'm sick. God, thank you for sickness because it reminds me to be thankful for all the days where I'm not and I'm healthy. Or hey, uh, you're at the office and they had this big party and cake, they brought cake in and everyone ate the cake before you got there. You can either choose to be like, man, these people, unbelievable. Or you can just say, um, it's probably good, I didn't need that cake, okay? <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need more cake in my life <laughs> and I'm thankful. Whatever situation, you will not choose the things that you face in life, and those are trivial, but you can choose how you frame it and the filter you put on it. Just like with the Instagram, we look for the best looking. Because of God, his promises, our eternal security that we have, no matter what we face in this life, he's working for our good. You can choose to look for the goodness of God in every situation. Inside of the room, I know that some of the things that I just described, they pale in comparison to things that you're walking through, circumstances that you're facing right now. And so me talking about a dishwasher being broken, like my mom's got brain cancer. I don't have a job. I, my fiance and me just broke up. My whole world just changed. You tell me like put the right filter on it? And I don't wanna pretend that I know everything and every emotion that you're feeling and everything that you're walking through. And I'm also not just saying, well, hey man, just be positive and everything will look up. Because I, I, like you, walk through things and hear through stories and experience things in my own life where I'm like, man, I, I cannot see exactly what God is doing here. I'm not smart enough to know how you're gonna redeem 
someone being molested. But I know this, there will come a day where according to Ecclesiastes chapter three, for even the things in this life were like, that doesn't make sense, God, I don't know what you're doing there. We will see everything made beautiful in its time. That's what the verse says, Ecclesiastes chapter three. And that truth, along with the truth in Romans chapter eight, that everything, if you are a follower of Jesus in your life is gonna be made to work for your good. And God is using that inside of your life. Uh, it's not dissimilar to this, and I'll close here. When I was uh, in school, or there was a time after I had actually graduated from school, I got invited to, to go to a football game for my alma mater, and I was given tickets, and I got to sit on kind of the front second row, and I was down on eye level, and all of a sudden at halftime, the band came out, and the band came out, and, and what happens when the band? They start doing like a choreographed thing. When you're looking at it from the ground level, it looks like chaos. You're like, what is going on right now? Like the tuba is about to take over the xylophone and the clarinets over here. Do they even have clarinets in these things? And it just looks like total chaos from the ground level. And then you look up at the screen and you see, oh, it's spelling something out. It was all purposeful. It looked chaotic. It looked random. It looked, what? And then up at the screen, when you see it from above, it's totally different. I know that some people in this room are holding on to something that I have no idea how God, when we see it from above, is gonna make us all go, wow. It's totally different. He allowed it, he didn't cause it, but there was a purpose even in the pain. I further know that because we saw it ultimately on the cross the son of God becomes a man, comes to earth, lives a perfect life, goes around, never sins, never does anything wrong. What does he do his entire life? Spends it pouring himself out for humanity. He allows blind people to see. He allows lame people to walk. He heals people. He restores families, transforms the area in which he lived. And one day he's betrayed by all of his friends or abandoned by all of them, betrayed by one of them. He's taken before a crowd. He's wrongfully accused. And the crowd cries out, crucify this man. That's a bad day. And he's led away, he's crucified on a hill called Calvary, and he dies a brutal death at the hands of men he created and formed in their mother's womb. Being held up by a cross made of wood that he fashioned the tree and created and gave life to it. That's a bad day. Depending on how you frame it. Because it's also the greatest day the greatest evil act in human history, humanity, the creation killing their creator would also become the greatest act in all of human history. The greatest day in human history because it's not just the day that Jesus died, it's the day that death died. And where God entered into the world and said, I will provide a way, I will give a sacrifice of myself so that anyone who trusts in me, not in themselves, can have eternal life. It's all how you frame it. And some of you inside of this room, what you need to know more than anything else, all the truths we talked about, about winning your mind, about recognizing the thoughts you have, removing the toxic ones, about replacing the lie with the truth, about reframing it in light of God's eternal perspective. The truth that you need to know more than anything else is not that you need to get off the train of anxiety. You were born into this world as a child of wrath, the Bible says. You were on a train from the moment you breathed your first breath to the sins that put you into this uh, into who you are today, the sins that you've created placed you on a train, not to anxiety, but to hell. And there is only one remedy to get off that train. And that is to put yourself 
underneath the uh, trust or put your trust in the Savior who died in your place, who came to defeat death, to offer eternal life to you and to me and anyone who will accept it. You have, according to the Bible, have your mind, your mind has been blinded. That's what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter four says, the mind of unbelievers, if you're not a believer in Jesus, your mind has been blinded, the Bible says. And it's blinded you from being able to see the goodness of God and the glory of God in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. And today that God is inviting you I want to have a relationship with you. I went to such great lengths to die for you. Will you accept the hands that are reaching out to you, the hands that reached apart for you? Will you accept that offer? And if you do, you will have eternal life. And if you don't, you will stay on that train. And he offers it to you. And here's the truth, man. You will never now be able to stand before God someday. If you're like, man, I don't know if I believe that. I'm not really sure. You know, I don't know what I believe. I know this at least. You will never again be able to stand before God and say, man, I never heard about Jesus. I never knew he was the only way. Because God will say, man, on February 12th, 2019, you heard about the savior of the world who came for you. Will you accept it? For the rest of us, voice is ours. Will we win the battle in our mind by removing toxic thoughts, replacing the lies with the truth and reframing it in light of the goodness of God with an eternal perspective? Let me pray. Father, I want to pray for two groups of people. And the first is those who I know inside of the room don't know you. And they have never had a moment where they have, through faith, trusted in Christ. I pray that right now, wherever they're seated, they would maybe for the first time just say, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. You died for my sin. I I trust not in how good I am, but in you. Dying in my place and rising from the grave, that alone. I pray that that truth, which is, there's no magic prayer, magic words, but words that reflect a heart that trusts, a mind that trusts, form the beginning of a relationship. And I pray that all over this room that would break out in the second group, I wanna pray for people who are walking through the valley of the shadow of cancer, the shadow of heartache and heartbreak, the valley of, of um, betrayal, abandonment, pain, God, that you would be in this moment and in moments going forward more real than them or more real to them than the pain, that you would eclipse those things in their mind. They would recognize toxic thoughts. They would be able to give, or you would give them the grace to reframe no matter what situation they're walking in and they would hold fast onto you. Would you replace the lies that we all believe with the truth from your word? Thank you for Jesus. We worship you in song. Amen.